0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to What's Your Why, a new podcast showcasing the greatness of people through their life stories. Each episode will capture insight into the lives of people just like you and I, with the intention to connect, align, and create inspiration for and with our listeners. Stay with us through our What's and Why segment, where we dive into our guest perspective with some thought-provoking questions that just might be right up your alley. I'm your host, Helen Dillon, and thanks for joining us. Now let's get into it. Today, we bring you Carrie Thomas. You may have seen her at places like a horse show or had the pleasure of working with her. And for those of you who don't know her, she's an amazing human and someone who I'm honored to call my friend. She's the owner-operator of her own company called Nimbus HR Solutions Group, Inc., and has led a life full of change, progress, love, and loss. She's one of the bravest, most resilient, funny, confident, and authentic people I know. We're here with Carrie Thomas. She's everything amazing. Tell me a little bit about your company.
1: I started my company in 2015. I had worked in various corporate gigs for my whole career, from banks to insurance to technology. I worked at BlackBerry in the big upswing, you know, hired 153 people in one location in one day. And the big downswing had to terminate 2,600 people, went back to banking. And uh, when you come out of tech, which is like running through a revolving door nonstop on speed to going to a bank, which is like a crew ship that may leave the dock in the next year or two. It's <laughs> eye stabbing. So I went back to tech. So I started 2015 healing. And in that space, because I was healing from life saving surgery from ovarian cancer, I was very fortunate I did not need radiation or chemo, I had no lymph node involvement, I was at the very early stages. So everything could come out all at once. But when I was healing, I really had an opportunity to think about what was important in my life. And it also gave me an opportunity to live my life differently. And so with that in mind, I found that the only way I could do that was to start my own company,
0: What was it that made you realize, other than obviously your surgery, what was it that made you realize that you no longer wanted to work for somebody else?
1: There was two things. The company that I was with when I got sick, when I was going to come back to work, they were downtown, they weren't young in St. Clair, and I was driving, you know, two hours from Oakville in there every day in traffic. And I didn't have it in me to to fight the traffic anymore. I didn't care. I wanted that those four hours back in my day. And they really didn't care about HR. So if I'm not going to be at the table offering some guidance and advice, you know, they really don't want a senior HR person. The last company I worked for, they didn't want to do the things that they needed to to be legally compliant, which kept me up at night and should have been a very strong concern for them and should have been a priority. And, you know, in my healing and wanting to live my life differently, I don't want to be with people that don't want to be with me. (laughs) So... That's really what it came down to, is that if people are paying for my services, we have a service level agreement. This is what you can expect of me. This is what we need to expect of you. And so the expectations are clear. And so when people are paying for our services at Nimbus, we're all clear about what the expectations are, and they care about the delivered outcome.
0: Would you say that your employer's almost that you outgrew them, their moral compass wasn't maybe in line with yours?
1: Oh, for sure. Full stop. And I think, too, when you're running a business, sometimes you can blur the lines and be okay with it. And uh, after staring down the double barrel shotgun of life, I want to live a good life.
0: So tell me about what that looked like, if you don't mind. Ovarian cancer, survivor, Mm -hmm. surgery. I'm assuming that would be a full hysterectomy? Yep. Okay. What led up to that?
1: Well, I knew I was sick. I had extreme pain. My ovaries were the size of grapefruits when they were removed. And they grew three centimeters every month. And uh, I also had a 12 pound tumor. So I literally looked like I was four or five months pregnant. And I would have to wear Spanx to be able to carry my stomach around. The pain was brutal. It was just awful.
0: So that's the initial thing that led you to maybe investigate what was going on, was just yeah. the pain and the uncomfort, all of those things.
1: For sure. And when I went to an OBG, uh, he did an ultrasound and said, you need everything out now. Do not delay. And I delayed. I actually have a really good life. I've had an adventurous life. There is a, a Chinese curse that says, may you have an interesting life. And so I must have ticked off a lot of people cuz I've had a very interesting life and I'm okay with whatever the outcome is. In the process I met the love of my life
0: when I was sick and it doesn't seem like it was fear that led you to not act on what the doctor was saying.
1: No, it wasn't fear. It was my ovary rupturing.
0: Then then you acted.
1: Yes, I uh, and my mom actually showed up at my house. And took me to the hospital and she showed up at my house because it was the only time I had asked for help in my life. And she knew when I was asking her for help that I was in distress. And so, you know, she showed up from Dundas, which is a 40 minute drive in 30 minutes. And um, we went downtown to St. Michael's Hospital. So and on the I think it was a Thursday night was when I was in the ER and I had um, my surgery surgery. I'd be meeting with the OBG on the Monday, and my surgery was booked for January 7th. So
0: so you were told you had ovarian cancer and get everything out. You uh, were told not to delay. Circumstances led to you delaying. Mm-hmm. Your ovary ruptured. Your mom came and took you to the hospital, and that's when you had your hysterectomy because there were no other options at that point. Correct. And then the healing begins, which is January 7th, 2015. So healing where you were released from the hospital and you were by yourself and
1: I was in this hospital for two days, cut crotch to belly button, two days, 53 staples. And I was out in two days, everything taped together, literally taped and stapled. So I think they feel you can heal better at home. And I would, I would agree with that. Right? Yeah. Because being at home, I was more inclined to get up and walk. We had a treadmill. Actually, Dave would leave me uh, tea and granola bar and applesauce by the bed before he went to work. I like to sleep food by the bed. I don't care.
0: Right. (laughs) So you were healing with the expectation that you would go back to work and life would continue. Yes. And instead, you began healing with different thoughts about how life would continue.
1: So healing from a hysterectomy, you go from hormones to no hormones, and I thought I would embrace it like you know, oh woo woo. These are the crown years of my life. I'm going to just embrace it naturally. And two months in, I wasn't sleeping at all. I'd maybe have three hours of sleep in eight weeks.
0: As a result of the hormonal adjustment?
1: A hundred percent. And so I went back to the doctors and said, just give me all the drugs. Give me whatever it is that I need to function. So <laughs> hooray for HRT. And I used to have very strong opinions about that, but uh, you, you take uh, chemical assistance when you can. So, yeah. but while I was healing, I really, you know, they're dark days for sure. And what we forget is that our emotions require energy too. And when we're healing, our energy all goes into the part of your body that's healing. And that detracts away from your ability to cope. It detracts away from your ability to manage and regulate your emotions, and handle, you know, stressors in life.
0: That's important, actually, that you just said that. I've never thought of it that way before.
1: So when people are healing, if they get weepy, I usually say to people, pay attention, because that is your body's way of telling you, you're done. Go lie down. Go rest.
0: How did you know that was even happening? Like, that's not something I would even think of. And you and I are fairly close in age. But Honestly, it's not something I would think of, oh, if I'm feeling this way, maybe it's my body telling me something. What What even brought that on?
1: I've had a few surgeries in my life, so I think I'm kind of boss at healing.
0: Mm-hmm. You know yourself inside and out.
1: We just have to pay attention to our bodies. And for me, before surgery, I knew things were wrong. I had increased anxiety. That's another thing that we, you know, we have anxiety these days, but why do we have it? do a body scan, what's different, what feels out of place in my body. I went surfing a number of years ago. And I'd always kind of had IBS, which was a precursor to the ovarian cancer, and is a symptom. And I was surfing in Dominican. And the third day in, I was like, hang on a second. Something's not right. What am I feeling or not feeling? And I realized I wasn't feeling abdominal pain. And that was different. And it was because I was just eating fruit and vegetables and I wasn't eating any kind of carb.
0: Anything to cause the IBS.
1: Yeah. So, and stomach pain. I had no stomach pain. You just got to pay attention to your body because it tells you what's going on.
0: Were you ever led to believe that there was something in your life that could have assisted in leading up to ovarian cancer? Or is that something that runs in your family or...
1: So I did in vitro for three and a half years, I did four cycles, I had one miscarriage in my second treatment, which is why I didn't care if I died from ovarian cancer, because I just Mm -hmm. really wanted a child. And I believe that all the hormones and the poking, you know, this, the success rates are not very high for in vitro, for in vitro at all and they don't tell you, they might give you some stats from a couple of years ago that look like 32%, which is not great. And women are so desperate to conceive that they'll take it. And the suffering is, it's just breathtaking.
0: I've heard that it's challenging and know nothing, know nothing of going through anything like that. But I have heard that it's its a challenging thing to go through mentally and physically.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know, that's probably another topic for another day. But I would say that it's a relationship ender, it's a a life changer too.
0: Well, I'm glad you made out of it happy and healthy and with us today. Thanks. Me too. Four rounds. That's a lot, is it not?
1: Yeah. And my last round, I'm going to overshare. My last round, we put in 11 embryos. I took prednisone to cripple my immune system. I did what's called assisted hatching. So they take a laser and shave off the side of the egg so that I can stick. I had the equivalent of a colposcopy, which is like taking chunks of the uterus out so that there was something for embryos to stick to. I did acupuncture before and after. I did everything I could in that last go and uh, 11 embryos, which was very, very aggressive. But I was Mm -hmm. also over 40. I went hard.
0: I mean, I don't know what to say. And it it did just occur to me when you said that I'm talking to you the day after Mother's Day, which is, I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's okay. what I know what to say is I'm so sorry.
1: You know what? There's really nothing to be sorry about. This is life. And, you know, one of the things that I think is really important is, you know, it's loss, right? It's grief and loss. We are experiencing grief and loss with COVID-19 right now. I experienced grief and loss with getting rid of my reproductive system. I did want to have a uterus burning party, but the hospital would not let me take my guts home with me. They had to go to pathology, but I wanted them after and they wouldn't let me. <laughs> so it's kind of morbid, but you know, if it's at all. no purpose in life, I will say too, that the pain that I experienced the day after my surgery was nothing compared to what I was living with before. Really? Oh, nothing. I asked the doctor if he would ever seen a case like mine before. And she said one other in her career. And the woman couldn't sit in the chair for two years. And the day after surgery, she went in in the morning and saw her sitting in a chair. So I wasn't quite ready to do cartwheels, but I could do a mean saunter on the treadmill for 12 minutes.
0: <laughs> 12 minutes is even excessive at this point. <laughs> Good for you.
1: When we think about all of those things and it's resiliency, right? Being accepting of change because it is a change in your mindset, a change in your way of thinking about the world. And it's about resiliency. You know, a lot of women, I know women that have gone through it. Some have been successful, some have not. And the ones that aren't, some of them never get up again. You know, I, I know one woman who's on ODSP Right now, because mentally she cannot cope, it like did something to her brain, and she still got her marriage, which is great, but uh, she's not able to participate in life. Really,
0: life moments that are not only challenging but just devastating,
1: mm-hmm. for sure.
0: So, during your healing, you did decide to start your own company, and uh, now's your time for a plug. Let us know about Nimbus HR Solutions. What's that about?
1: Sure, Nimbus HR Solutions Group Inc is a human resources company. We do HR for small to mid-sized companies on an outsource basis. And my methodology for starting it and for service delivery is the same. I want small to mid-sized companies to be able to have all the same things that a large company does without the price tag. You know, sometimes when a company is ready to hire someone, they'll give HR functions to the office manager who gives office manager type solutions that might result in legal action. Um, Most companies are lucky, but usually when they hit legal action is when they reach out to me and say, hey, can you fix this? We got we got nailed in court. So that's what we do and why we do it.
0: Excellent.
1: com. I should have really thought about that long website address before I made it.
0: You know, everybody's comfortable with typing nowadays and figuring out where the letters need to fall. (laughs) Kira, I have to say that your story is awesome. I know that the first time we spoke, we talked about so many things. And I have to say, in all of your trials and tribulations, whatever those are and what it looks like, I'm so thankful that you're here with us, really, truly, not only because I get to selfishly call you my friend, which is much more than an acquaintance, which is what we used to be. Like I said, I'm so thrilled and happy and overjoyed that you're here with us, even though you went through adversity and negativity to get here. I'm honored and I'm lucky.
1: Thanks. I and thank you. Me about you,
0: What's the very first thing you have to do in deciding to start your own company?
1: <laughs> Make the decision and commit.
0: Okay, after that, ah. is it, okay, I'm going to start my own company and I'm committed to doing that. Most people wouldn't even know where to begin.
1: I found an accountant because when you run a company, you need good financial guidance. So just like tax time, we need good financial guidance. And for me, finance is is the best business kind of partner to have. Right. So I found a good accountant. Excellent. my first thing. And the second thing I did was uh, go after a couple clients, go after some people.
0: And everything else fell into place after that.
1: I just called some people I knew. We started to make, um, I guess, a web page. Maybe we didn't for the first little while. We didn't care about that. So we just went after clients because we wanted the work. Nice. So I just started talking about it to people.
0: And that's what they say. Just start. You have to start somewhere. So just start. Everything else happens after the fact, but just start. Start talking about it. Start believing in it. Start committing to it. Move forward. One foot in front of the other.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's, you know, not just true for starting your own business, but it's true for life. Mm -hmm. It's a life lesson. Just keep putting
0: one foot in front of the other. Exactly. And now we've come to what some would call the very best part of the show, our segment appropriately named What's and Why's. It's where we get to ask our guests some questions that inquiring minds want to know. So without further ado, I bring you the what's and why's for your listening pleasure. So my first question is, who do you look up to and why?
1: My who and why is um, John Candy. Mm -hmm. And I knew him when I was a child. I used to, I babysat for him. He was part of Second City and I have a family member that was also part of Second City. And he was at my house about a month before he died. And I actually had him rolling on the floor with tales of my teenage years because they were a debacle. And when he was leaving, I chased him down the driveway. And I banged on the the car and said, grandpa, my grandfather, who he knew as well, uh, who had passed said, tell people what you think of them while you have the chance. So I I said, you know, grandpa always told me to tell people what I thought of them while I had the chance. I thought you were going to show up here, Mr. Big Hollywood pants. But you're just the same old Uncle Johnny, and I am grateful, and that is awesome. And he had tears, and I, of course, was blubbering trying to get it out, and he gave me the best hug as only he could do. He's so big, and I am so little that it just enveloped you. And <laughs> why is because when he passed, nobody could say a bad thing about him. People only said, what a kind man, what a funny man, what a silly man. Uh, What a gentle man. That's a life well lived Mm -hmm. and still humble.
0: Right. Still humble. What's something that brings you joy and why?
1: Riding brings me joy. Riding horses brings me extreme joy.
0: Which is something you newly discovered, rediscovered again.
1: Yes. So when I was healing from my um, surgery and it was dark days, I... Needed to do things that brought me joy. And while I was thinking about things, you know, you think about the things you did as a kid. And when I was a kid, I loved getting on a horse. I loved riding. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I connected with Dee Walker. And she said, just come to a horse show. Just come. She's always so open and inclusive. And so I went to go see her at an Angel Stone show. I was gobsmacked. I mean, when you go see any kind of A show and it's the first time, it is just gobsmacking to see just the production of it all. And she said, you know what, why don't you just go ride at my farm? And she literally picked up her phone and called Stephen Santia and said, Stephen, Carey's going to come see you for a lesson on Thursday. And that was it. And after riding, that was July of 2015. And in January 2016, I was in Florida visiting. And she's like, I said, I want to show. I want to go to the A's. I want to do the A's. I want to go to Royal Winter Fair. And there was a woman who had a taught me a lesson at her farm one day over the winter to help me out. And she said, you know, what are your riding goals? And I told her, I want to go to the royal and compete. And she said that was a really lofty goal. And as upset as I was at the time hearing it, it is a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. I just was so like, nobody tells me that's a lofty goal. I gotta go do it. So Dee Dee, you know, set me up for success in every way. Every way from the horse to you know I did three shows in the adult beginners and I did three shows in the adult lows and then I did three shows in the adult three foot which is really you know the division I belonged in and I had exceptional placings I think for my first year in each of those divisions. So, did you end up going to the royal? I did in 2017. Right. I uh, t- 2017. I I leased the lovely Romeo that I ended up buying last year and we got to the Royal after some broken bones just falling at 47 Hertz.
0: Occasionally only occasionally.
1: Yeah. uh, I have uh, some broken fingers and uh, some broken ribs that I will forever remember Romeo by, especially on rainy days. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah.
0: When you look back through your life, what decision brings you the most happiness and why?
1: I'm going to generalize the decisions where I chose myself, not selfishly, but I made decisions for myself are the ones that brought me the most happiness. When I went to university, I thought I needed to go to Western. It made me miserable. I went to Concordia, which was completely outside of my comfort zone. And I experienced great success there and had amazing, amazing learnings. Taking improv I did it. It terrified me, but I did it. And I did it so I would be comfortable in moments where my hands sweat because it really just made me okay with being awkward and things flying out of my mouth because right. that's who I am. So just, I'm more comfortable with it now. Right. You know, riding, the decisions I made where I had to choose myself and my well being, those are the ones that brought me the most happiness.
0: Very insightful.
1: Quitting smoking. That was another one.
0: Oh, that's a huge decision. Mm-hmm. That's a huge decision.
1: I smoked for 20 years. And when I realized it, I was like, that's got to stop.
0: Yeah, yes. right. Good for yes. you. Oh my gosh. I'm yes. so proud of you. oh my gosh. Good for you. It's
1: been so long. I was the most non smoking smoker. The
0: ever. most non smoking smoker?
1: Yeah. I would just hide. Well, that's okay. Yeah. No, every, I smoked every day, what? every day, but non smoking, hiding in corners. Oh, yeah around building <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is something that you feel people get wrong about you and why
1: two things i'm going to use two words one is intent uh, what i mean by that is sometimes i do things in a strong way and people might feel that i'm i don't know maybe i'm more mindful of it now but people might feel that i'm mowing over them or i'm bulldozing and i it's just my need to make sure they're okay and so my intent is always love first and the care and well-being of the people I'm around. If somebody needs help, I'll do everything I can to make sure that they are okay and can stand up again. The other word I'm going to use is vulnerability. And when, if I, I used to say to the the stepkids I raised that if I'm yelling, it's because I'm in distress. I'm also a bit of a Jack Russell, right? I have a lot of bark right? And so, <laughs> um, if I do something that is offensive to somebody, it is because I am in distress and I could be in distress about feelings of, of something that they've told me and a reaction to something they've told me that I, you know, my heart is broken for them or I want to help them or, and I don't know how, or, so I would just say intention and, and, and vulnerability.
0: Right. Very good. Who would you like to hear on what's your why as a guest and why?
1: couple one is D Walker because she is a pretty talented remarkable woman who has just built so many things and with her son Sam who's just a remarkable writer we know where he gets that from Bobby Reber would be somebody I'd be interested in because she's been through stuff mm-hmm. in life and Audie is someone I'd like to about too she is like a phoenix right now um, with her life situation it's a lesson in resilience right it's about resilience I think
0: sometimes that's what life throws at us yeah and learning Mm -hmm. how to be resilient is one of those things and we all wish that we knew it when we were 16 but unfortunately I Mm -hmm. think that we don't really learn it until we're 30
1: yeah Or 40, 40, 40, 50, forty, fifty. Some of us never
0: learn it, but those are the lucky ones that don't have to learn it, right? Yeah. Amazing. Well, you've given us a ton of options and a lot of really great insight. And uh, again, I need to thank you for joining me today.
1: It is my privilege.
0: I'd like to thank everyone for joining us for this episode of What's Your Why? Our listeners, guests, and our sponsors, too. It's our hope that you enjoyed your time with us and possibly gained some new perspective as well. It's said that we can learn something new every day if we just listen, and that knowledge has a beginning but no end. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be safe, be well, and remember, always leave people better than you found them. A Twisted Spur Media production.